0: Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989.
1: No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and
0: togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show.
1: We have another wonderful interview lined up for today, don't we?
0: We got a, we got a really good one. This is like, um, just from the perspective of, again, somebody who, and I say again because we always say this, but like somebody who we kind of grew up watching, who we had an affinity towards, we're like, oh, that's a cool, that's a cool guy. And then just like that, Snappity snap, he's like best friends of the show, which I love. Me too. We've got a guy who goes by, he's gone by many different names and uh, incarnations of himself as well.
1: He has. He went by, in the 80s, he went by Nick Corey, and he talks about it in the interview. He changed his name back to Jesus Garcia, but today he's now known as Jesus Garcia. And he's with us, and he's he's enlightening. He's he's uh, a, a wonderful guest on so many levels. But before we get to any of that, we probably should cover the patreons and talk a little bit about that, right?
0: Oh yes, yes. Before we do anything, this is like a moral imperative that we start. <laughs> we start with our. We start with gratitude, as we do every meal that you and I have together. We 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 give thanks for being alive um i just do that in my head i don't know if i've never said that aloud to you but i do that before we before i eat your beautiful breakfast sandwich i give gratitude to you and the sandwich oh. that you've made
1: thank you I, I i give gratitude too. sometimes i do it vocally like i've said before and i'll say it again grateful for what i have not what i want and boy oh boy do i have a lot of what i do want actually so there you go yeah, I
0: think that's even mentioned in the interview, right? We talk about that. that
1: I think we do. Yeah, I think we do. That, I think we do. But, concept. uh concept. this episode is coming off the heels of us launching our Patreon, which if you're not familiar with, go to patreon.com slash $2 late fee for more info. Uh, and you can find out about all the tiers that we have, all the fun, exclusive content that you'll only hear on Patreon and there's so much more. Um, we don't want to, we don't want to necessarily bore you with all the details, but there's a lot of great stuff. Uh, but we do have four new Patreons to our family, right?
0: Uh, we, we have some very special shout outs and some of them are literally family. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Um, so really quickly, we want to shout out John Lyons Murphy and Robert Ortiz, and of course Jeff and Helise Rubin, who gave birth to one audaciously beautiful man, Dustin Rubin.
0: That is that is so beautiful of you to say. So, I, yeah, really, it's a double thanks. It's it's thanks, mom and dad, for for being patrons, but also for giving birth to me.
1: <laughs> it's a twofer. It's a twofer. For two dollar late fee,
0: it is. It's two for Tuesday, uh, <laughs> on Wednesday.
1: <laughs> but but sincerely so. to you uh, for, and hopefully there will be more. Uh, I like to rhyme, and I don't have it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> my point is, you know, thank you for 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 signing up to Patreon. Thank you for being a part of our family. Thank you for being a part of the. Uh, the Rad Patrol <laughs> and uh, we will continue to provide you with exclusive content uh, in fact upcoming later in this month you'll be hearing some really fun $2 six question answers from today's guest Jesu Garcia and you know obviously Jezu sat down with us for well over an hour to talk about his career uh, everything how he got to where he is today A lot of nostalgia, a lot of nostalgia. By the end of this, he thanked us for all the nostalgia vibes that we brought back to his life. And you're right, he's become family in a a roundabout way, and uh, like a bro, and just such a genuinely good guy, and it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. So for you Patreons, you're going to hear some really cool stuff later this month. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, please consider it, because it's pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, we have a, we just have a lot of exclusive content, and we're going to be constantly rolling it out for your listening ear pleasure, not your nose or eyes. Um, <laughs> there, there might be some visual stuff too. There might be well, some there yeah, there's be. some visual imagery, uh, videos, etc. But um, but so Jay García, we you know him, you love him. He's been in movies like Gotcha. Which we just covered two weeks ago. He's been in Wildcats, which we haven't covered, but it feels like we have because we're always talking about it. And of course, uh, Zach's favorite song, "Show Me How It Works," <laughs> available now on Arista Records uh, for 1995. <laughs> uh, those are those are kind of our 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 main main draws of today. Um, but we do cover a lot of different things, uh, including um, spirituality a little bit the process of acting, which I found really fascinating how he approaches Likewise. things. You will hear uh, Jezu reference a man named John Roger. He's Jezu's spiritual teacher uh, who founded the Church of the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness. And he'll he'll talk about that. So just, just for reference, uh, when he says, John Roger, that is who he is uh, speaking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And very fascinating stuff. The thing is, Jezu... He's been on podcasts before, and he's talked about uh, a nightmare in Elm Street, which a lot of people obviously know him from. But you know, we want to dig a little bit deeper. I think we even brought up Miami Vice, his uh, his two episodes on Miami yes. on Miami Vice, and off air we talked a little bit about Murder She Wrote. So we'll have to have him back on the show and ask him about that. Uh, but For in sure. the meantime, he is his he's such a such a glowing light, and and, and I mean that in, in the most sincerest way. He he's a really good person. He comes across that way, and then we've had the pleasure of going a little bit deeper, uh, getting to know him off air, and just a genuinely good guy. And so it's just so nice to have, yet again, another positive interview on our show, and Jesu being a part of the $2 Late fee family.
0: Couldn't have said it
1: better. Let's uh, hop on into it, shall we? Let's hop on in and get ready for Jesu Garcia.
2: I want to learn more about you being a poor black child. I, was, I people make fun of me. I was like, no, I actually tried to be so black, I got my ass whooped. I was, right. uh, I wore a Jerry curl, you know, because the black culture at that time, there was no hip hop or anything. It was like you know R and B, and then I rolled doobies for the black family. I was a good roller. I, <laughs> I don't smoke anymore. I don't smoke anymore, but. Uh, they would say get the white boy to roll something for us so I would be like and I'm not even white I'm get like the white boy yeah but you are you are white in that, in that environment yeah. So, yeah I'm like you know I would roll it for them and then I went to the only they would bus us to John Muir's and I was the only uh well the girls the black girls loved me so I'd let you know Jerome let him on the bus and they ran everything the girls so I would <laughs> The only you know Cuban Latin in the bus, and Jerome is the keeper of the bus. Yeah, they wanted to beat me. Up. I got beat up all the time. And then the thing that I learned was backgammon. <laughs> Everybody that that backgammon, that, backgammon. They were all out in the schoolyard. They would skip class, and we'd be we'd be by the um, I don't know by the football with the um, the bleachers. We'd be playing backgammon, and I learned backgammon there. And I jerry curled my hair once prison style prison style because the people that I was with since they had they, they had done a couple stints in prison oh, so they, they would roll they would roll <laughs> my hair they would dairy curl my hair with newspaper because that's how they did it that's how they wow. did it and then they back then uh people had afros or whatever so they would they would um give me the oil the activator. <laughs> Af- Afro shine, Afro sheen. Yes, Afroshine. yes. <laughs> yes. Tell and me America. America. I so wanted to be black. It was dumb, and I got beat up. It was horrible, and I didn't know. I didn't have. First of all, I didn't have an identity. I had an identity crisis, which, which by the way, most actors have anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're now, talking we, to two voice actors, so
1: we we definitely have those at times too.
2: We do. I mean, we we have to be careful that we don't keep playing the same role over and over again. Yeah, we can get I love- that one. I just love the image
0: of you like in the bleachers playing backgammon while like two two girls are just like (laughs) like jerry curling your hair with newspaper and
2: and you're wishing that you you know had that you were black and it's 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 amazing it was a good time because i wasn't there was no such thing in my there was no prejudice it wasn't in the air because i was accepting of of everything you're so young you're not uh You're not told anything about anything. You just, and I never heard the black guys that I was hanging around with talk about the white man keeping us down. I never heard any of that because my my friends, whatever they wanted, they took. (laughs)
1: Yeah, for real.
2: It it was for real. These are the real deal. These these are real guys. My my
1: school bully was named Jerome as well. Really? (laughs) I'm not joking. I, I swear to God.
2: Jerome and, let him and, on the bus.
1: Jerome, Jerome's whole deal was I actually I think I talked about this with Dustin on uh we did an episode on bullies in school and uh and oh, wow. and I talked about how Jerome uh, kids would walk up to, to Jerome and say, Hey Jerome, Alex wants to fight you. And Alex and Alex would be like, I don't want to fight you. And Jerome would turn around and go, Okay, three o'clock behind 7-Eleven. And then everyone would meet up there. And he that took easy. Alex's bike and threw it into the street, and the car ran over it. And Jerome's like, Well, that's that's you know, it is what it is. I don't know what happened to Jerome, but and and uh, my school was predominantly Vietnamese. We had like uh, the Bay Area, you know, so the Vietnamese gangs everywhere. And I got jumped by a Vietnamese gang one time. And but then once I got jumped by them, it was like suddenly I was cool with them, you know, because I survived, I guess.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I had a similar thing with Filipinos. I wanted to be Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee. (laughs) Bruce Lee just died, 73, and I was getting beat up trying to be you know you know you know the thing where you go see a movie you come out rock rocky yes, yeah I rocky i came out and i got beat up right after i left the theater because i was like i'm rocky <laughs> 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 and, i guess uh, i'm not rocky well you know like you're picking you're picking fights and you're acting it up and uh, bruce lee i thought i had a couple moves filipino uh, martial arts is crazy so I, oh yeah I, I got beat up. I think Vietnamese uh, also have a martial arts. I don't know what it is, but they'll they'll whip your ass.
1: Yeah, they will. <laughs> and 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 they and they they like traveling groups. At least the kids that I knew, they always had a crew.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. These kids swarm my brother and our friends, and because we were uh, playing basketball on their court, you know. Oh wow! And they're like, "What the fuck, do? Get off all, get off all land, dude." <laughs> Get out of here! And we're like, well, well, what, "What do you mean?" And the next thing you know, they surrounded us and charged in. And, and one guy yells out, "Jimmy, go get your gun!" And I'm like, "Run!" And I just picked up the basketball. We <laughs> just split. And that's I don't a, know if they had a gun or not. I didn't want to stick around to see if they did. That's where
2: it, it wasn't fun anymore. I do remember these you know, gangers. uh It was always the worst that could happen in in the early days was maybe knife, but rarely. And then when they started to shoot people, I was like, I mean, I I think I'm going to be an actor.
1: (laughs) I think I'm going to be an actor.
2: (laughs) No, Rocky for me. And we're
1: backgammon on the bleachers.
2: I'm not doing this, uh, wanting to be a fighter. I'm not a fighter.
1: Well, 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 first, first of all, let me see. (laughs) jay Garcia. Thanks so much for being on $2 Layfee.
2: Oh man. Thank you so much.
1: And bringing up your high school. I'm thinking like when you shot Wildcats, did that bring back
2: memories for you then? Oh, Wildcats was crazy, man. Wildcats was, um, we went into the inner city of Chicago, which is brutal. And they went in, uh, because I don't know anything about Chicago yet, but I know that it's one of the toughest cities. So they decide to build a football in some land that uh was was a demolished piece of land like you imagine going into the hoods of chicago and warner brothers goes i think we can shoot here and that's what they did. and they they grew they, they they fertilized the land they made the goalposts they planted seeds the grass grew winter hit it was quite cold that year and uh and then he cast real real brothers like as football players first of all they cast real football players against us so that when the actors played them in some scrimmage we got hit hard uh they were like college guys going oh yeah yeah okay all right mr hollywood and we i got hurt uh and then you know how they 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 set up uh a touchdown it's all fake it's all a setup and the guys really don't hit you some people do get hit and they open the hole for you to run in. I was allowed to have one of those touchdowns. Oh, nice. And then you you know, as a Hollywood actor, you think you're badass. What I did get to fulfill, by the way, this is a sort of more on the spiritual side of things. Yeah. Um we want to as an actor you want to as a person, you want to fulfill things that you you thought about in your life that you imagined and i wanted to be first before i was an actor i wanted to be a wide receiver hmm. and when i got cast in in uh, in wildcats i fulfilled the wild receiver the wide receiver thing in my head when they threw the touchdown pass which was already choreographed and and my teacher john roger taught me hey take that in as it really happened to you and unconsciously and psychologically you clear it you go, I did it, fantasy done. Awesome. And uh, I did that in other in a couple movies where I had to get married to the girl. Uh, so you marry, you're done. You know, you're like, uh, you know, you play. The great thing about actors is you can play a role of something you not necessarily want to be reincarnated back to do. You know, like Al Pacino did Scarface. He doesn't have to do that again. Yeah. And hopefully he doesn't have to come back as you know Tony Montana, you know, as a Cuban. Uh so I got to do, you know, a war movie and get that out. Wildcats was they they cast all new guys and you had Woody Harrelson there. Yeah. You had you had um Wesley Snipes. Wesley, Snipes. Wesley Snipes and me. I remember we were like a trio. We were ambitious. We wanted things. Uh, I remember Wesley was amazing because Wesley was always talking about, you know, the progression of black people. You know, he was like, you know, he's Wesley Snipes, you know, but he's yet to be Wesley Snipes, but he's, his mind is amazing and he's an articulate black man, you know, and he's, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful dude. And, uh, and then Woody was kind of super intelligent, but slow, but funny as shit. (laughs) And Woody, like from the, I learned hanging out with them, that whatever i advised people i would be completely wrong including advising myself about a career because woody came up to us coming off of biloxi blues now that i knew the show off of broadway he was just in town he gets um wildcats and he's sitting around we're sitting around in a jacuzzi just hanging around and woody's like hey what do you think um there's this show called cheers and they're asking me to come into audition. Okay. This is how, this is how stupid I am. I'm like, Woody, don't do TV. it was, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, we're just coming off of taboo to be in TV. Yeah. Very, very taboo was truly. And yeah. you couldn't get out of it. You'd be stuck in it. And Woody goes, and I said, it'll ruin your career. Oh Jesus. <laughs> and and Woody took the job and from then on, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> I'm gonna go forward really quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm there with John Roger at a. Uh, Woody's already a movie star. Ron Howard is sitting. Woody's in front of me. Ron Howard is next to me, just by accident, and we're watching. Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, Van Morrison. Okay. And my and John Rogers in the uh, with me and Sally Kirkland because Sally Kirkland. Oh, you should interview Sally when you can. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, of course we do. Well, Sally's a good friend of mine. Oh, cool. Sally dated Bob Dylan. So this is a Bob Dylan Van Morrison show. Oh, man. Is it at the Hollywood Bowl or something? It was like, had to be 15 years ago, man, 20 maybe. Okay. So everyone's lighting up. I don't smoke. We're like, I'm like not smoke. We don't do that. Yeah. So, but we know how to put a light cloak around us as the weed is fucking everybody up. (laughs) And they're lighting and it's Van Morrison, you know, um, green eye, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: In the that
2: was
0: perfect. Perfect. That was. Do fine. You
2: remember we were? <laughs> anyway, I say, hey, what's up, Woody? And he goes, hey, man. And he passes it on. I say, I, I yell to him, say no to drugs. No, Woody. And Ron's like cracking up. And then, uh, no, no to drugs and, uh, whatever that Ronald Reagan saying was. Yeah. Uh, whenever, whenever I saw Woody, he's just a funny, great guy. And, um, he's, you know, he's really outlived, uh, a lot. And I thought he, he would not make it. His brother's a really cool guy. I don't know if you ever met. You saw his brother is a very, really great actor as well. And his brother was in, um, played his brother in Larry versus Flint. Oh, really? Wow, that was his real brother. People versus Larry Flint. Oh, no kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I used to hang out with them before they they really made it big. Um, and then of course, back to Wildcats. Um, Goldie Hahn is the one that picked me. Really? Uh, she was like, I, I went into Warner Brothers, and I was like this, you know, hot stud Latin dude, oh, yeah. and. I, I remember I, I hit on her and she's like, oh, you're so sweet, but I'm with Kurt. <laughs> I hit on her. <laughs> Kurt Russell is one of the greatest guys, really the greatest. I mean, the guy's, I don't know what to say. Tombstone was a killer. And he's just he's just a, as much of a great guy. That's just great. Just a really good guy. That's nice to hear. He's a dude's dude. You know, The Though the time that I was, I got invited, the movie's over. Um, I by the way, we got into big fights on the set with guys from the hood that were cast. Oh man. And I had a big mouth and I was talking shit and I and we were talking about each other's mamas. Oh, shit. And the one the one of the black actors who's not really an actor, he was really a guy from the street. He he mouthed off. So then we were like beating each other up on the field. Uh and then when the when the AD came over, it was like prison. Like we we were like, you nobody know snitches, you know. We we're like, yeah. I don't know well, what's <laughs> going on with your face. I don't know. We were just pretending that We're doing a certain move for the football, you know. We don't know whether that's, you know, D D D right, D right, pull height height, you know. But but, but um, is that
1: why you were holding your uh, your your uh, your gut at one point when in that jogging in the running scene where you have to run laps around the track.
2: You know, no, my brother, my brother's in that. uh, No, we were all freezing to death. Uh, (laughs) We had it was like I'm thinking 20 degrees, 30 degrees. And uh, they decided to do the we all had uh, heaters in our trailer. We were freezing. It was horrible. And we all had to be wet. Now, Chicago is a killer. It's killer because it's a wind that has a cold sheer on it with the with the with the coldness. So it was a wet cold and we had the they had sprinkler systems over the football field. So we were getting wet on purpose. And then of course the director's like cut, let's do it again. And literally it was and, and Goldie was there. She was getting wet as well. Remember that she I think it was a thing where she had to prove that she was tough. Yeah. With that yeah. with that great um,
1: Mavis Staple song that uh, I love but Dustin doesn't. <laughs> Show me her <how> little <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> What but, are you, what are your thoughts on that on that song? <laughs> Daisy? Do you have any any thoughts I, on that song? I can't remember anything but LL Cool J. He was okay, a young, yeah, a young you kid. he was a young cat coming in and he wrote that cat. football football <laughs> Wildcat.
0: I say they call me Too Main, the ebony lover. I validate the theory when I'm under the cover.
2: It's the sport of kings, the and diamond rings. My name's Tarula, I'm a real bad dude Making sounds and noises that are certainly rude But when we're on the field, my noises aren't art like a And a Or a plain the sport of kings Better than diamond.
1: Football. I was leader of the team for about
0: a week. My specialty was the quarterback sneak. I was sacked and attacked. My back bag packed when I got the word in the form of a bird. It's the you sport know
1: teams. better than diamond
2: Football. Uh, But hey, um, cut cut to the future. Cut to the end of the movie. We're having a rap party at Goldie Hawn's beach house with the, some of the cast. Uh and Ted Nugent's playing uh for us. <laughs> when Ted I, I,
0: think, oh my I, I bring goodness. my
2: guitar and I think I could play, and it was a horrible scene. Uh I can't play. Um and uh and Kurt was there and it was all fun. And the um Kate Hudson was Kate That's Hudson funny. was always I was always making her laugh because I would fart, I would make the fart jokes to Kate Hudson. Um and then, uh the rest is history. Whenever I see Goldie, she remembers you know she's so sweet
1: well she she uh, I was saying to Dustin the other day how much I love this movie because I idealized Goldie's character because I had a single mom uh, raising two kids, and my dad at the time, I have a great relationship with him now, but at the time it was not good and uh, and he was trying to get us you know full-time custody and all that. And I just remember relating so much to that. And, uh, Oh yeah,
2: that's right. They fight, they fight for the kids in the, yeah. right. The husband and her.
1: Yeah, And then my brother was, my brother was a hothead and, you know, my older brother is five years older than me and always getting in trouble and punching things and hitting things. And he idealized you, you know, literally to the point where he's slamming his head into a locker room, uh, door. (laughs) And I'm like, that's why you are the way you are now, Eric. But, uh,
2: Well, I was a complete—I must say, you know—I'm—I was just an idiot in the way that I approached acting, and I approached it methody, and it was a comedy, and I wasn't learning about Warner Brother ensemble show. I, after that movie, I turned down Heartbreak Ridge. Oh, wow! And, and Hamburger Hill—they hmm. were coming out of Warner Brothers. Then Warner Brothers never hired me again um, that way. They were ensemble. They were kidding. They were getting the Latino, the black, and they were like tokenism. Like I hate to use that. They were, tokenism. they were getting the Italian by the, I wasn't the Latino. Then I had Nick Corey. Everybody thought I was, uh, so they get the Italian, they get the black, they get the white and the nerd and the, you know, whatever. And then they put them up against a star and that was heartbreak Ridge. They were all coming out like that. And, um, and, uh, and uh, I don't know what I was going to say, but. Um, well, that you weren't, you weren't feeling it. You, you didn't want to be part of that I was, system. well, You know, I took myself out of the system. Oh, uh, I was methody. So I, I said, okay, this guy farts and hits his head in the, the lockers. I'm going to hit my head in real lockers and eat beans all day long. And I remember, I remember we were in, you know, the tunnel. <laughs> The tunnel before the the football players come out to the field sure. and cameras outside. The director is a famous director. Michael for, Ritchie. Yeah. yeah, He's huge uh, multi-cameras on games. The choreographing of football games and things like that, this guy can do. So they're waiting for us to come out, Goldie in the lead. We're all, you know, piled into the, the, the closed yeah. tunnel, and I fart. And – And it's and then the action is delayed, and you know, and Goldie Goldie smells it with some other guys, and then Goldie yells at me, and she goes, "Jay," she goes, "Nick, stop it! You don't have to really fucking fart (laughs) movie," and (laughs) and uh and that's when I you know that's when I went uh, I'm doing something wrong, and then I always was. Then there was protest within the crew about wanting rights. I always seem to pick pick the wrong side of I'm going to help them. Yeah. Let's fight against the system within the, the, within the production of the, and then you're just, uh, you know, and then my brother was selling weed to the cast. You know, I brought, I brought my, my hood, (laughs) my, my hood brother, my real blood brother, half brother, I thought I can give him a break and help him you know goldie loved him and everything and he worked as an extra and before you know it he had a whole like circuit of selling weed to everybody and he was mr (laughs) and i was was like stop doing that anyway he went back to his thing but uh i changed my behavior of acting after that because uh i don't know you're young i was young i was stupid um, I had, I had good looks and that got me, that gets you in the door, but you better know what you're doing as an actor. Well, also too, there's something
1: very exciting about choosing the righteous side, right? About being like, oh, I'm going to stand up for the, for the unsung hero, or I'm going to, you know, for I'm going to fight the system, not even knowing what the system is or well, what's going on. Yeah
2: these extras don't have heaters, get them trailers. You know, right then and there, the producers are like, that guy's a bad guy. Let's get rid of him." <laughs> <laughs> but, but let his brother stay so he
1: can sell some weed to us. So.
0: <laughs> oh my God. We're
1: so high. Um, you mentioned,
0: uh, I'd love to just go back for a second. Cause you mentioned, you know, that when you started your career, you, you were, you went under the name Nick Corey. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious like how that name came about, how long you were performing under that name
2: I was uh I had the same agent as Mel Gibson and uh he's gone now he passed away. The only Italian guy he was Mel Gibson's agent, Richard Gere's agent, Nick Cage coming up, Michelle Pfeiffer and I was what they call it no longer exists. It was called a um um I forgot the term, but you're a you're you're a, you're the you're on the actor that wants to be uh, to work he's on the side of the of the agent under the table
1: like hip pocketed oh
0: hip pocketed yeah
2: hip pocket that's it yeah so he's oh great term guys so um so he I'm a you know he's a huge guy at war at Willie morris and he hip pockets me with a girl called jj harris who passed away she was Th- Th- Therese threes thorman's what's her name she did monster oh charlise theron Charlize Therone, She started Charlize Theron. Oh, wow. And she, at the time, J.J. Harris, was working with Kevin Costner coming out of No Way Out yep. or something and like that. Fandango
1: and American Flyers. Fandango.
2: And then my agent was, you know, Richard Gere just popped on Officer and the Gentleman. Yeah, And I was, he was hip pocketing me and he was like, always smoking. He was like, hey, kid, just relax, you know, you're gonna make it, you know, I'm gonna just hold you for a minute. And he said no to everything. And then one day uh, he would say, this is back in the days when these guys, way before Mike Ovitz, and he he would leverage, they used, they leveraged the Michelle Pfeifers and all that and say, I've got this young kid I want you to take a look at. Anyway, he goes, uh, you know, I'm gonna send you over to JJ. JJ, get him out. So Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, was was a hip pocket, so they send oh, me. Wow. The thing about then, if you had the uh, breakdowns, the breakdowns were the and break. He would let me. I, I'd get into his office and he'd give me all the breakdowns, and then I would circle what I what I'm good at. Breakdowns. You remember, it said the age, what they're looking for.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah sure. And then I would circle, and and then he'd make calls for me. Eventually, I got two movies. And it would be Nightmare on Elm Street and Gotcha. And then he went to William Morris and said, Let's sign the kid. And that was it. They're like, It was a huge corporation, you know, taking care of you. But, but you know what? If you stop working, they don't take care of you. you know? But it was a, it was a huge, uh, it was when packaging was starting to happen, mm. you know, uh, guys like, guys like TV started to kind of come up. But, uh, my agent said you'll never go don't go to the tv department if you do i'm gonna let you go wow. he was not a. <laughs> oh man this is back in the day when they made movie stars that's it for it, was,
0: a- it was a stigma yeah there was a, there was, was a stigma, stigma.
1: and was uh, your uh was your agent did he recommend you change your name to nick cory
2: or yeah yeah so he's sitting like this and i remember in the old days richard Okay, whenever you got a movie or you got some kind of thing, they'd send these baskets of food and flour to the actor and it would go to the agent's office. I was a starving skinny guy. He's on the phone and he's like, If you're hungry, go make yourself anyway. So I I unpack one of these Richard Deere baskets and it has caviar. It has the bologna, you know, the whole thing. And I'm I don't know anything about what anything costs. And I'm like, this looks good. It's a bunch <laughs> of eggs, and I'm eating the eggs. <laughs> and I'm stuffed. You got to remember, I'm barely working. And he, uh, this is before the two movies, his phone was always dirty from the tar of the cigarettes. Oh, and then the oh, God, so, anyway, gross. he rolls down the thing, shuts off the cigarette. In those days, you smoked indoors. Yeah. And he hangs up and he goes, what the hell did you just do? You just ate $1,000 worth of caviar. That was for Richard. But <laughs> so he yells at his assistant. He goes, get this thing out of here. And then he goes, okay, sit down. And then he goes, okay, look, you're never going to work with the name Jesus Garcia. Never going to work. It's not going to work. The only movie star at the time was Ricardo Maltabon. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep.
2: You know, and and he just did the Wrath, the remake of Star, star Trek, something like that. Yeah, Wrath of Khan. So, let me think. Let me think. Um... Nick. And then he goes, Corey. Corey with an I. Uh, Jonathan, go ahead. Nick, Nick. uh, He's going to be Nick Corey. Call SAG. Oh, wow. Wow. So he was a Spengali guy, man. And then then he goes, get out of here. So he didn't believe in anyone hanging around his office. He believed in the mystique of the actor. This whole, he wouldn't be good for today. Yeah. Because you don't give interviews. You keep it, you keep a mystery about you. Mm-hmm. And it, and uh, the whole social me- actors becoming on social media. I thought it was great for me because I can bypass an agent and put me out there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but the guys like him really, and that's why they surround the actor with uh, a publicist and agents and managers, and it they never and they it's Fingali man. It's like you you go home. You know, don't answer your phone. We'll mail you. I knew that I made it when they were mailing my scripts to me. They were delivering my scripts. Yeah. And when I then when I left him, I hit a slump, and I had to go pick up the scripts. That's the difference. That's that's how you know you ain't it no more. You had to go pick it up, and the the the, the smaller agencies are like, we're gonna leave the uh, scripts for you out in the parking lot. Just pick them oh, up. Oh God. You know, then yeah. technology kicked in, and it's like my technology, which is great. Hey, we're gonna email you the script. Yeah, and that was that was the best. But uh, that's how I got my name. That's how I got my name. I love it.
1: When uh, when I first started voice acting, and I was at this this pretty big voice agency, uh, I remember the the agent comes out and he looks at me. He's like, "Um, John, right?" I'm like, "No, it's Zach." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, be right back." <laughs> And he and he has he gives everybody their scripts right, and we're all in a room waiting for our script for the day, and he walks by me. He's like, "Oh yeah, I got yours." And he and I see him. He walks over to the trash can, pulls a script out of the trash can, and he goes, "Yeah, this is for you." I'm like, "Oh, thank you."
0: Here you go, John. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, you're Zach. No, this isn't for you. You're not. Who are you? Yeah.
1: Well, and I remember that I had an uh, another actor there. She's like, "What's your name?" And I said, "Zach, Zach Schaefer." And she goes, "What's your middle name?" Nathaniel, she goes. Nathaniel, Nate, you should go by Nate. Nate Schaefer. And I'm like, she goes. I'm <laughs> like, I don't really feel that. She goes, no, 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 that's your name. That's your name, Nate Schaefer. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> thanks, Thank I you mean, know, thanks. I mean,
0: maybe she's maybe she's right. Nate, you know, how would your life change if you? Let's just call you Nate from now.
1: <laughs> Let me change it on the thing. <laughs> anyway, change
0: it on.
2: Well, we did. Uh, I ended up using asking my teacher, um, who was a great numerologist, and I said. Can we numerology the name? It's super important. What your, first of all, your birthday, uh, wait a minute, your month, your day and your year is your number. You can do it for your name. And, uh, and it's a vibration. That's all it is. So Nick Corey was sort of like, okay, I've done that vibration and it's a little bit harder. When I went to, my name is Jesus Garcia, Jesus Garcia. And the reason I changed it, I was ashamed of the name, not anymore. So then I went Jay Z and reinvented myself mm-hmm. when the the the, the I, I call them the B movie dark period of my career was like I was always the guy screwing the girl on the pool table, Sally, and in, in, in a Harvey Carm in a Harvey Corman kind of way in a on cable, and you can never get out of that. You know, it's a it's a rough yeah. road. Yeah. yeah. You you can go to IMDb and you know. You can talk to someone. It's not a negative thing, but the, these guys, the guys that market this, make gazillions of dollars, but the actors make nothing. Yeah. You know, and they they started to weasel around the union. I love SAG. Mm-hmm. Thank God I have a pension. But they they got they really uh, uh, what's it work? It's it's uh, it's called when you uh, um, abdicated. Uh, Screen Actors Guild abdicated little by little and eroded when they would protect the actor you know we we were what we, we had to fly a certain class when we got a job hmm. and there was a certain rate you can never go under well they broke all that and you know they can hire an actor for like a hundred dollars a day call it deferred yeah and yep. some of that stuff might not ever show in your pension uh, and then they were once they used to protect the actor with the agent, right? And then then these agents said, "No, we're gonna de- we're not we're we're gonna disenfranchise ourselves from the union. You can't mod you can't control us. We'll make our own contracts." That's when I had a, quite a bit of leverage crossing that line that period. And then once I quit you can't get back into that line yeah. the leverage the leverage was i'm not giving you my residuals kiss my ass and now these contracts are horrific for the actor they take everything Re- residuals for life and um you know in the old days the 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 it was an it was a it was a screen actors guild approved contract for agents incredible and they can only take 3 dibs on your on your on your residuals i mean I'm, I'm sure you know you're working and making money and you know who's taking it um but if you've already got a leg a leverage you can get rid of all that and get a lawyer like jack nicholson yeah you know yeah well, you're
0: speaking to just a greater global issue, I feel like, as far as, uh, I mean, not not necessarily global, but, you know, SAG is eroding for sure. For sure. And, and what happened, you know, there was this commercial strike in 2000. Not that I'm going to wax on about this, but it is one of my favorite topics that you're speaking <laughs> about because the commercial strike, you know, led to this realization that, like, oh, we don't really need to play by the rules. And we can still get people who, you know, maybe are not as talented, but are going to do whatever we need. And, and then maybe another thing we can do is just, you know, get these like umbrella companies, these, these shell companies that are overseas. And you know what, I'm Coca-Cola, but I don't want to make a commercial for that much money. So I'm gonna, you know, make it for this amount, but you won't be able to know that it's me unless you're really following the numbers, which, you know, the union's not. So it's just, it is, you're right. There's, there's, there's not protections. I think we're really in trouble and there's always somebody that'll
2: do it. In this industry like there's always somebody who's like i don't care if it pays ten dollars i started to not i didn't want to be a victim of it so okay so if you hire me you got to be sad, okay because because i never broke that rule yeah. but we're going to negotiate you and me and here's where i got most producers when they would come up to me and they want to do force uh force call which is 12 hours i think you guys know that mm-hmm. force calls where you can negotiate it's a beautiful thing so you're working all day on the set, and they go, hey, man, the producer goes, jay uh, the AD comes around, hey, jay uh can we get jay uh to come in and talk to uh, Mike? All right, we're getting Jay-Zoo. All right, over. So you get over there, jay walks over there, and they're like, jay we want to talk to you about, yeah, we need you to come in earlier tomorrow. You know, it's a You know, you're you know." this. You can either get a, you can either get a meal penalty or, you know, you can waive it. And then this is where I say, Oh, so you want me in tomorrow? Uh-huh. You know, the tax you know, the tuxedo that you, uh, and that watch, right. That I wear for the costume, you know, they, they, you guys really, you guys tailored it to me. It's at least $2,000. Right. Wouldn't you say that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Jay-Z go. I want the watch and the suit. And I got, deal <laughs> so That's <how> I, <clears throat> a lot of actors when you get to a certain level they just give you the the props yeah uh low budgets they're not no jay-z we're gonna wait till we're cutting and editing and seeing if we need to right, right we might need yeah, it again. i'm taking the tuxedo and the, so i started <laughs> yeah. to work it to my advantage of like, every man for himself yeah. essentially yeah you have to so.
1: well you know it, i want to go back a little bit to gotcha in 85
2: just
1: obviously you at that point you hadn't gotten to that level where you were at you know
2: where you could. it you was see. it was sick money though sick money yeah it was a video they were giving you um per diem my producer yeah, my producer ended up being he's dead now peter mcgregor scott he produced all the batman movies yeah so he was bragging about his per diem he bought a he bought a mink coat he bought a mink coat for his, per diem, <laughs> for his girlfriend in in paris wow all right we're all flying first class it was money and it was at a time where uh I you know they they put you up in a great hotel it's being uh moder- they they I don't know they they check it out the union took make sure that you had to fly had to be a refundable ticket now they don't care about anything but there I was <clears throat> it was probably one of the probably one of the last movies actually studio that 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 flew me took care of me per diem was sick it wasn't like it was sick per diem. I mean, you can rent cars and and maybe an apartment with the per diem.
1: Well, you had that air about you in the movie as Manolo. Like you, you, oh, yeah. you rode that, you know. And I, I, you know, dare I say, the highlight of the movie was your character because, uh, you know, I, I honestly, for sure, Dustin and I watched it not that long ago, and we both were like, yeah, Manolo's the the the. We want to see more of Manolo. <laughs>
2: um he was you know the genius of that uh we worked really good together was uh jeff jeff canoe i just director, recently ran yeah. it. yeah and i it was great because the studios were bringing the writer and there would be me and anthony edwards and and that's the writer would say jesu it was nick at the time yeah. we want to write better for you you know you're a latin and what do you think and i'm like well i would just ask the dumb questions well what is it who's carlos the terrorist and then, uh, and Jeff and I, we improvised a lot. And I'm like, well, what's, what's a terrorist? What's Carlos a terrorist? And then Jeff would say, well, you know, he was the, he was the, um, I uh, forgot what he was named after the, uh, he had a, he had a, he had a name. He had a nickname, Carlos the terrorist. He was called, it was an animal. <clears throat> I forgot, like it wasn't a fox, hmm. but it was something like that. They made a movie about it. Um oh anyway like Cougar? Yeah, like that. Badger? And badger Badger, maybe. Uh but honey badger. You know? <laughs> uh, they don't give a uh, fuck. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. But anyway, Jeff, Jeff and I were like, Well, what do you think? Well well, you know, terrorists. He was a hired terrorist for different people and he'd do things and you know, and he was a sexy guy and he goes, So what do you think? How do you think he talked to girls? And then I started to go, Shh, say no more. <laughs> he said oh my god use that and then what uh the description of the script is he comes back to edwards and he goes edward goes where you been he goes man i was acting like carlos the terrace and i was picking up these girls so jeff canoe goes why don't we shoot that why don't we shoot how carlos how you work to manipulate the girls that's how my part got big so at the hotel i'm bringing in these girls and the they were casting phenomenal girls so <laughs> some of them uh just we i became really good friends with them they flew to l.a to visit They're they're like real swedish girls and and swedes tall <laughs> and uh, the scene where where anthony goes Vule, no no he says uh he says i want to sleep with you yeah. uh, and that girl they did it on Champs-Elysees with traffic and they real this girl really hit him. She wasn't an actress. She was a model. <clears throat> you know how you have to do the, so you don't, so she knocked, there's a scene where she knocked the glasses off of him. <laughs> Later he was all swollen oh, and, and, uh, <laughs> and then Linda Ferentino was unbelievable. Yeah, smoking. She wasn't.
1: Like, yeah, and I, 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 was it the Jackal? was that
2: the jackal. that's it oh the jackal. Carlos the terrorist was the Jackal so then I was like all right so what does he do oh he hides and he's gonna he's gonna make girls like you know um come to my hotel the change. the plans have changed and she goes but I can't say no more (laughs) and and I had a dialect and um Jeff and I he just loved what I was creating and then I was I didn't get to go to East Berlin with them. I went another time, though, Mm. in real life. East Berlin was kind of an interesting phenomenon. But uh, I I then met them back in L.A. We finished shooting. Um, Gotcha was probably that movie is where the studio machine was behind Mm me. They were also behind uh, Stephen Bauer for Scarface. Okay, yeah. And I had auditioned for a smaller role, but I didn't get it. And uh, both of us were the Latins like studio guys, and they were making all sorts of propaganda for us. Hmm. Scarface blew up, uh, gotcha did not, yeah. And then you know, you know, you're somebody, your face is on the in the in the commissary at, at Universal. Your face oh, wow. there with Stephen Bauer, and you're the actors, you're the actor for Universal. It's almost like you're a studio actor. That was probably the last you know, where you're a studio adopts you essentially. Yeah. I think and you did we,
1: thief of hearts after that and it didn't yeah, do very well. Did.
2: And we, I think I, I fizzled out and went, you know, sort of I I wanted to be a movie star and I did weird choices, you know, well, you, but that's,
1: you went, you said, you were saying how like TV was such a taboo at that time and you, and you didn't want to ever do that. But then a couple of years later you went and did, a, you know, Miami vice,
2: which, to me no, no. Miami vice was my my start oh really yeah oh wait 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 no you're right you're right you're right uh yeah I mean it and... might have been in the,
1: like 84
2: no, you're right you're right Miami Vice uh was was making stars. Yeah, yeah. Micio uh, e. goes in it. I think a a lot of actors come out of there. Yeah. So everybody. Was, you're yep. right. TV yep. started to break and and <clears throat> if you were on a hit show like Miami Vice, you were noticed and it was cast by a movie casting director. That's the thing. Bonnie Timmerman. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, Michael Mann, obviously being the the creator of the show and and having such a big name at the time. And I mean, Ted Nugent was on there too, like he said, so.
2: (laughs) No, you blow up. If you did Miami Vice, you blew up. Actually, you're right. Miami started, Miami Vice started to change the, uh, the culture of you're dead. If you, like I did Facts of Life. I was desperate, but you know what, you know, who was on that show? George Clooney. George Clooney.
1: Well, and and uh, you guys, I, I know um, you know, you had said at one point uh that th- there there was there's a particular look, right? That that dark haired, are they Italian? Are they Hispanic? Are they Latino? Are they, you know, what's going on? Did they go to the tanning salon too much? Or what's, you know, what's happening? And and you guys all looked so badass, you particular. And I remember um, you know, you said earlier how we like idealize a little bit. And uh and I would idealize you and Miami Vice. I'm like, oh he's such a badass. I would see you farting in Wildcats, and and like, you know, throwing your head into the locker, and like, yeah, I like that's funny, but I want to see him be like a badass, you know. <laughs> and then I see Miami Vice. Dustin knows it's like always been my favorite show, blah blah blah. But um, but there's something about your look, your and I wanted to see more of you. And so every movie that would come out, I would seek out, you know, because I just wanted to see more of Nick Cory, quote unquote, you know. And then when you became Jesu Garcia, I was like, wait a minute, but that's, that's Nick Corey. Oh, Oh, cool. Wait, what's going on here? And it blew my mind, you know, this whole different world. And, and so you, you make this transition as you get older and change your name. That must've been a, a huge adjustment for you.
2: Huge. Um, well, I was already sort of career dead. I went, I made some interesting choices, but then I went spiritual. Like I'm glad I didn't make it because I really at the end of the day, I look at some of these actors, like when when um, Seymour Hoffman died, <clears throat> that changed the game for me because I'm like, man, this guy's great. And he wasn't happy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? <laughs> the problem. Oh, no, right. And, uh, and I wasn't finding joy. I found it was a business. You know, it's show business, man. Yeah. Don't forget that. And the business part is a killer it can really sour the show part and i was becoming spiritual and loved the spiritual work and i loved the acting because i got to do both um but at the time i hit such a slump that i was really it was rough because i wanted to make it so bad yeah and that's where the spiritual part comes in you know it's 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 an art it's a it's a it's a dow you know dow did you ever see the movie the dow of steve yeah yeah with um there it is
1: donald Logue? donald Logue, yeah
2: and it. so i'll say no more the dow of steve is what you must be when you're an actor so every friday every friday would drive me crazy because i went in as a you know second call and saturday and sunday was horrific waiting It, it was a crystallized pattern of You know, Monday, got the script, got in, they liked me. Friday, I didn't hear anything. Saturday, nothing. And then, no, they'll let you know in the following week. And then they went, a different choice. Hmm. And they had the same answer. And then it became a crystallization. Then I, I, you know, like I hated it. So then what happened is my teacher goes, you need to move into it even more and love it and become great at it. I became great at auditions. I became great at the room. And I ended up loving the process of, I know, get me in there with 10 people. I will fuck them up. You know what I mean? And and what happens is I, I sucked in the lounge waiting. You know, you're waiting with the guys yeah. and it's, it's yep. there. You don't want to talk I, with
0: anybody. Yep. You know, you
2: know I, I sucked, but when I got in the room, the light bulb turned on. Hmm. And what I started to learn is the sensitivity of whether this movie's yours or not, you can tell. The sensitivity of the room doesn't want you and the room wants you. And you can't fight against it. Hmm. And so when I can feel coming in the room and the sensitivity was these guys do not want you, I would surrender and then admit all my faults. So one of them would be the key thing when you go in. For me is, if I'm nervous, I say I'm nervous. If I'm nervous, I say, I'm really nervous to be with you guys. It's great meeting you. You know, and I don't talk. Most actors lose the role the minute they talk. There's a skill. Mm. And I never said, I would never say, how would you like me to do this role? I would never say, what are you looking for? I would make my choice right or wrong going in that door. If I didn't have a choice going in that door, I was a loser, period. Um, and so when you go into that door, I made a choice that I would go this way with the character. Now, but I gave myself the freedom of when I would walk in, I'd see the room and I'd see the actors that were in and out. And sometimes you use, you strategize everything. I would listen to the way they were performing through the door. Mm-hmm. And, I would say, and then I would say, I can't do it that way. Oh my God. Yeah. Everyone's doing it that way. yeah. And that was my advantages. The advantages of like, okay, I was looking at it the wrong way. I'm doing it just like them. And they're walking out not so happy. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going to flip this upside down. So I go in and they would be, it would be a disruption maximus hmm. because I, I'd come out. And most times if it's on, they'd say, My God, he did an interesting choice. We never thought of that. And whether I got the role or not, it set the tone for the next guy that does get it, that they tell him that's the choice we want. Interesting. Mm. So even if I don't look the part, it's not your fault. You can't take it personal.
0: Right. Well, but they 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 made up their mind in some cases the second you walk in the door. That's right. That's right. I mean, so what you're saying is fascinating yeah. because it really is just comes down to you just making
2: a choice. You making a choice, and and, and, if you and don't not, make a choice, you're dead. You're dead.
0: Yeah, and not and not putting this added emotional weight. I mean, what I'm getting from what you're saying is like, don't put this added desperation. Don't put this added whatever on the room. It's just like here I am. This is me. I'm making a choice. I'm confident in my choice. You know, you guys. If I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy. But but I
2: love that um desperation smells uh horses if you i don't know if you've ever ridden a horse yeah it knows your, your fears yeah it'll buck you and play you yeah they'll play you so you never by the way you can express your fear you can say hey yeah this is like uh i rope a dope i'm known for to be a roper doper i make it look like i'm i'm bad in the corner and when you come close i knock it out knock it out of the park <clears throat> and then i never memorized the material i get used to it and i always have it here with me never i i mean i got really good at it i really got really good at it and to the point where it was a, it wasn't about getting the movie it was about nailing the audition yeah nailing the yeah the character and how can i turn him what what's interesting because if because i'd go to the meeting room it'd be all my latin friends and they'd be all talking about the rents they got to pay and the mortgages and they just had their third kid you know we're all fighting we're gladiators yeah we're gladiators to the death so we all have to take each other out that means seven people won't eat you know what i'm saying it's almost like that. that's true and then i'm thinking Sometimes I'm like, well this this role is not worth it. I'm going to throw it. You know like a like a boxer throws the fight. Yeah. I threw, I threw a lot of auditions. Mm. But I threw them, it was such freedom. You're in there, you're by the way, you have to be financially okay. You can't be desperate. Yeah. If you're desperate, you're going to chase it like Vegas. Yeah. Basically, I see a bunch of my friends, they're fucking desperate. So I throw at this point I have freedom cuz I don't want the role now but I wanna play and guess what? You get the role, why? Cause you just yeah. went, a whole, you went a whole other level. You went a whole other level like, wow, you're creative. The spirit of this game goes, well, you're the guy cause you don't want it. Yep. The, and it, it's, and, he, and I've been, I've been the desperate guy and it's, it's horrific. It doesn't fun. work. Yeah. You dress like the character you know, I, <laughs> it doesn't work. I, just, I remember I walked in one time and Fidel Castro. It was horrible. Did you have, uh,
1: did you, I hope you didn't have like Swizzler sweets or anything like that in your mouth?
2: No, I had the whole thing. And, you know, one time I brought knives to the set, wow. to, to the room, and they're like, hey, you know, please don't whip out the knives. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's so much to take in there, but you brought up spirituality being so important. And when you say spirituality are you talking about like organized religion or
2: No, not religion. Uh Tao is spirituality. Yeah. Tao- Taoism if you ever read about. Yeah. It. yeah. Taoism an actor it for an actor forces either you do drugs and numb yourself or you're forced to do some kind of meditation in which you go to the center of observation mm-hmm. so you can just Watch your nerves, watch what you're thinking, cut the bullshit out, lower it, and then zero in. You know, the greatest thing that we all do is perform in that moment. Uh, all spirituality talks about being in the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ram Dass talks about here and now. Why? That's why actors love it. When they say action, it's the first time they're not thinking of the future or the past they're in the moment. And that's why everyone goes, man, that moment in that movie, because it's a moment in which universes stop Hmm. and align themselves in you. And uh, performances are like that because you're in the moment. You're not thinking of the line, you're flying. That's why it's addictive. It's not about other than you do hit a Taoism, you do hit a a zone you know there was a book called the zone you know mm-hmm. you hit a zone whatever word you want to give it when you're on it and you're flying and it's take two and i nailed it it's zone yeah you know every time i thought but here's the other here's the irony every time i thought i nailed it i didn't when i was unsettled by the performance is when i got it yeah interesting interesting and uh when when people say, "Yeah, man, I nailed that shit," yeah, uh, no, you didn't. Yep, because that means you were controlling it. Hmm. When you're out of control and you 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 know you you did something because you're unsettled, you got the role. And I used to love the room when the room was quiet. You're not going to get the role when they go, "Hey, Zach, it was great seeing you." Yeah, Dustin. Wow. Amazing. You won't come back. But when they're like quiet and they write something and they go, thank you, you know, you're looking at something might happen. Hmm. Who knows? But you walk away satisfied that you performed the way you said you were going to do it. And then when they call you, it's a surprise. I, I used to love those auditions. And that's what my teacher taught me is embrace it. Embrace your your judgment and fear about it. Cause I used to judge casting directors. They don't know what they're talking about. And it became a stupid game of a distraction of not getting the role. What am I, what am I doing? You know, and the conversations with, I became very, uh, uh, you know, explosive with the casting director. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, from uh, one point I ignored them. You know, I got into me, did you read what is it when you come in? They go, Did you read the script? Yep. Are there any questions? Nope. And hit it and leave. You get the part all the time. Are there any questions? No. You cannot ask a question It takes you out of the moment. If you have a question, you fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Well, and certainly <clears throat> if the question is, How do you want this done? As you mentioned earlier, like, <laughs> totally.
2: how, what do you guys think about this guy? Yeah, that's not. No, that's not going to do it. Do you have any questions? It's it's a three question answer thing. Hey, good to see you. Did you read the script? Yeah. Good to, to glad you came. You got any questions? Nope. All right, let's go. And boom, well, you're professional. And then they all they always like to screw with you cuz you know you did a great performance. They say, "Can we do that once again?" And they give you a note. Now, part of the testing is to see if you're flexible hmm. to do their stupid note. Yeah. And then you can correct that on the set. You know, you don't have to just go ahead and do their note. Hey, Zach, here's, it was fantastic. Here's what I'd like. Slow down when you're coming and talking about this thing and do the note. <clears throat> Sometimes I wouldn't do the note. I'd, 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 I'd take what she was telling me and I'd do the same performance all over again. She'd go, my God, that was amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's a, you know, it's a game. Yeah.
1: You obviously have gotten to a place in your life so much, much more elevated than you were as Nick Corey, right? And we're talking 30 years ago. So much has changed in between. And and and, and now you are in a place where you've written two books, right? And, and you're kind of giving that out to people with your book talks.
2: And there's no difference. Yeah. I still can't chase it you can't look desperate i really would love money to come in it's the movie role um you got any questions no i don't and so uh we we talk about in in my coaching stuff ideal scenes you know we we write that we we make a treasure map ideal scene or let me see ideal scenes are like this you know i am a working actor i am you know that could be uh from the I am out, I am enjoying being a wonderful husband to my wife, and I have these wonderful kids. I am, I am, I am, I am. Or co- you can do it with photos, collages. Hmm. That, that focus you—it's storyboarding your life essentially.
0: And and for those who can't see it, um, who are just getting the audio, we were looking at basically—it's it, a—it's an entirely present present tense, almost like affirmations in a way, right? Like. Yes you you're, you're, you're all the many things that represent your identity but also things that you you, you aspire to
2: is yeah that, like, i am like whatever you want to do i am enjoying large sums of money this is a great quote from my teacher <laughs> when people want to um financial abundance uh, yeah this is a great affirmation awesome financial affirmation shared by john roger god is my infinite supply and large sums of money come to me quickly and easily under grace in the most perfect way for the highest good of all concern. You got to make love to money. And that's why you got to make love to, to the business, to anything. And, uh, I sell books, I do talks and it's no different. Um, uh, because it's what you're the artist. It's what you love to do. What I love to do. I love to create. An artist has to create or he dies you know so before i wanted it for uh recognition and you know i was i didn't have a father Uh, i want to be better Uh, and then you grow up and you're like i think i just want to enjoy the the success rather than like i've got to be you know i've got to be better like have some kind of internal vengeance yeah yeah i'm i'm an orphan I, I, um, I have an unresolved issue. Let me, let me succeed. Well, when you start dealing with your unresolved issue, <clears throat> your pursuit for that thing might change. Mm-hmm. I
1: tell my son, um, on a regular basis, be grateful for what you have, not what you want. And there's something that where you live in that space of yes. what do I have around me? You know, what do I have? What do I have around me that, that I love? You know, and and focus on that. And that will propel you into whatever you want in the future. Cause because that energy, that positive energy that you're talking about, that flow, that zone, or whatever you want to call it, once you get into that space where you're not thinking of desperation, thinking of the hustle, like, oh my God, I gotta how am I gonna get five bucks today, or how am I gonna, you know, score that job? Or, you know, the minute you start panicking and get in that in that where you it is true, the fear can be smelled. You know, animals are on a, such a different level, that primal level is what matters the most, I think, because they, once they smell that it's over, you know, and, it, yeah. and if, and if you can smell that on yourself, you know, when you're desperate, you know, when you're like, Oh no, this isn't gonna, I'm not going to get this or I need this so bad. So I tell my son, I say, focus on what you be grateful for what you have right now, you know, and then it takes you out of that mindset of like, of the negative. Yeah, I don't know. It's my my two cents.
2: <laughs> it's exactly that. that uh, I just learned so much from acting that uh, it wasn't about, like now I realize it wasn't about being famous. It was about the journey. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I'm who I am today, which is a very strong character uh, determined and no is not taking a no doesn't people say no to me, that's, I go right through the nose. And uh, acting just, uh, it did a lot for me, it showed me, it was a disciplinary, it was a lot of work, because, you know, people make fun of actors and performers, man, we get up at five in the morning, it's not, it's no joke. We're stressed out for the weekend to learn all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you wait all day for that one Okay, Zach, Dustin, come on, we're ready for you. Hey, and you got to you got to be the energy, the energy in you that needs to be constantly radiating is twenty four seven. Yeah, it's like it's a lot. yeah it's a burnout factor yeah. too. So it's a lot of work. It ain't manual labor, but it's work. It's attention. Yeah, a- acting is the only business
0: where a ten percent success rate means that you're killing it. Yeah think about that that's insane
2: yeah <laughs> like no other businesses that way so but you know i was horrible at math so when people would come <laughs> up to me when i was uh when i was starting out people were like you know one in a million actors make it and i used to go how does that work <laughs> do you <laughs> mean i've got a chance i was so yeah i remember uh <laughs> yeah <and> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i was just like that so does, does that mean i have a chance to go out with yeah you we're yeah, telling like, me like that- you're disgusting. You, there's no way I'm going to be with you. And I'm like, she likes me. Yeah. There's a chance. <laughs> <She likes me. laughs> I love it.
1: You know, I I, I know uh, we're coming towards the end of the, the the interview.
2: Um, And what I'll do. You guys can is- interview me anytime, anyway. You guys, whatever you want, blank checks. Blank this has been great. I love you this. Brought up, you brought um, up some old stories that I forgot.
1: Oh, about. that's great. That That's always the point is to kind of pull something out, yeah. you know. um. So you do personal coaching, right, as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I do personal coaching, uh, really um, more like I don't really, I really listen to the person and see at what point, where can I help them? Hmm. Almost like, not far, I think I'd be an awesome acting coach, but I don't want to do that. But I'm good at, I actually, one of my, my last acting coach says, I'm not your therapist, I'm your acting coach. In fact, I'd like to flip that. I don't want to be an acting coach, I, yeah, but I, I want to be able to just uh, I, I i i just help you with something like that, and you look at it, and then you do the change. Mm, I don't. Yeah, I just reflect it like what acting real, really good acting teachers used to do. That through your monologue, we uh, Daryl Hickman was a great acting teacher, and so was Peggy Fury. And they can look at you and as you're, you know, who was another guy, the Scientologist guy who died. Um, anyway, I forgot his name, but, uh, he, he won an Oscar for directing, uh, Goldie Hawn in a movie, but he, he became, uh, Milton Casellas. Hmm. Is that his name? I'm not a sure. Greek guy. Sounds, sounds about as right as. <laughs> it was the Beverly Hills studios. Um, uh, but Scientology had nothing to do with it, but he was great at, making you look at this and you would let go of that thing in you yeah, and you would be more centered about your career and your acting uh but it's you know uh, yeah it could be a little little thing where you go so yeah i do some of that i do that where
1: where can people like do you have a website or where can people connect with you on this Uh,
2: yeah they could hit me up on the email you know you got my email Yep. yep they're interested. I don't have, I'm not really, I don't have business cards or anything. I just go word of mouth. Are
1: you okay with us putting that out there? Sure. Okay, cool. Okay. Um. So on a, on a, on a- I'm very
2: straight. Like if, if it gets into where they're stalking me, I'm like, I'm going to stock you if stop you stop <laughs> me.
1: Yeah, look, I know, trust me. I mean,
2: you never know, that's the thing. We, we've, A lot of we've,
1: weirdos. We've been uh, on that receiving end as well in in many ways, but uh but and also respect the anonymity um, you know, of of the people we have on the show and I just want to honor that. Um, but you guys are my only two fans in 30 years. I <laughs> really no we're not we're just the ones you've heard from i really appreciate you doing this so much i cannot express to you enough uh the willingness to come on and do this and just talk about you i mean who doesn't want to talk about themselves right but uh but no it really means a lot it really does and and i and it's it's a and I don't mean this in a stalkerish way, but it's like, no, you're the guy, you're the guy that I want to get the cappuccino for, you know, pick up the tab for you. Because you just seem like such a so- solid, good guy. <laughs> the Commissary. You know, at the commissary. Yeah. I want to put your picture <laughs> on the wall at the commissary.
2: In the commissary. You re- reminded me of what JR used to tell me. He goes, you know what? He was fans of my movie. He used to go, you know what? You know what I love about you? And I'd go, what? He'd go, I love you and you love you. <laughs> hey, there's a great line I mean,
1: from a song
2: there's yes. a band there's a band called uh not a
1: surf and they got a song called um i forget what the name of the song is now but the line in the song is to find someone you love you got to be someone you love you know wow. and that's yeah. deep
2: wow. yeah that's true
1: always stayed with me i think it's called concrete yeah. bed that's the name of the song concrete bed
2: that's 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 another reason why people cast people because they they just love themselves not not narcissistically no. they they take care of themselves. Yeah. There's confidence. There's a confidence, fun, there's a, confidence yeah. a loving thing, and they're like, "Well, we want that energy on the show."
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. I love you guys. Thank you for uh, lifting my day and anytime. Hey, thank you. You got me, you got me thinking of the good old days. It, there were some fun stuff there.
1: Oh, right yeah. on. That that was that was the whole point. Our, our the whole point of our show is to uplift people in some way. So uh, we won't say goodbye. We'll say see you later for sure. I
2: mean, yeah. See you around the bend. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for sure. God bless you guys. And what's your kids, what's your kid's name? Bodhi. Bodhi. God bless him. Like the Bodhi tree. Yeah. That's right. The Bodhi tree.
1: Thanks so much. And Bye. we'll talk to you soon. God bless, man. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Thank Bye. you.
2: Bye. The world's locked up in your head. You've been pouring in a concrete bed. Your habits are supply. You don't realize you fried. You're so,
1: Well, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s.
0: Alright, thanks so much for listening. We
1: really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is a five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really...